0: Book Five, Part Two, Pharsalia: Dramatic Episodes of the Civil Wars. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Butros. Pharsalia: Dramatic Episodes of the Civil Wars, by Lucan, thirty-nine to sixty-five translation by j d duff now sank the sun to rest the evening star shone on the darkening heaven and the moon reigned with her paler light when all the fleet freed from retaining cables seized the main with slackened sheet the canvas wooed the breeze which rose and fell and fitful died away till motionless the sails and all the waves were still as deepest pool where never wind ripples the surface thus in scythian climes cimmerian bosphorus restrains the deep bound fast in frosty fetters ister streams no more impel the main and ships constrained stand fast in ice and while in depths below the waves still murmur loud the charger's hoof sounds on the surface and the travelling wheel furrows a track upon the frozen marsh cruel as tempest was the calm that lay in stagnant pools upon the mournful deep against the course of nature lay outstretched a rigid ocean twas as if the sea forgot its ancient ways and knew no more the ceaseless tides nor any breeze of heaven nor quivered at the image of the sun mirrored upon its wave for while the fleet hung in mid passage motionless the foe might hurry to attack with sturdy stroke churning the deep or famine's deadly grip might seize the ships be calmed. for dangers new new vows they find may mighty winds arise and rouse the ocean and this sluggish plain cast off stagnation and be sea once more thus did they pray but cloudless shone the sky unrippled slept the surface of the main until in misty clouds the moon arose and stirred the depths and moved the fleet along towards the Ceronian headland and the waves and favoring breezes followed on the ships now speeding faster till their goal attained they cast their anchors on palestes shore this land first saw the chiefs in neighboring camps confronted which the streams of apsis bound and swifter genesis a lengthy course is run by neither but on apsis waves scarce flowing from a marsh the frequent boat finds room to swim, while on the foamy bed of Genesis, by sun or shower compelled, the melted snows pour seawards. Here were met, so fortune ordered it, the mighty pair, and in its woes the world yet vainly hoped that brought to nearer touch their crime itself might bleed abhorrence. For from either camp voices were clearly heard and features seen. Nor e'er, Pompeius, since that distant day, when Caesar's daughter and thy spouse were reft by pitiless fate away, nor left a pledge, did thy loved kinsman save on sands of Nile so nearly look upon thy face again. But Caesar's mind, though frenzied for the fight, was forced to pause until Antonius brought the rearward troops, Antonius even now rehearsing Lucas's fight. With prayers and threats Caesar exhorts him, Why delay the fates, thou cause of evil to the suffering world? My speed hath won the major part. From thee fortune demands the final stroke alone. Do Libyan whirlpools with deceitful tides uncertain separate us? Is the deep untried to which I call? To unknown risks art thou commanded? Caesar bids thee come, thou sluggard, not to leave him. Long ago I ran my ships midway through sands and shoals to harbors held by foes. And dost thou fear my friendly camp? I mourn the waste of days which fate allotted us. Upon the waves and winds I call unceasing. Hold not back thy willing troops, but let them dare the sea. Here, gladly, shall they come to join my camp, though risking shipwreck. Not in equal shares the world has fallen between us. Thou alone dost hold, Italia, but Erapis, I, and all the lords of Rome. Twice called and thrice Antonius lingered still. But Caesar thought to reap in full the favor of the gods, not sit supine, and knowing danger yields to whom heaven favors, he upon the waves, feared by Antonius' fleets, in shallow boat embarked, and daring sought the further shore. Now gentle night had brought repose from arms, and sleep, blessed guardian of the poor man's couch, restored the weary, and the camp was still the hour was come that called the second watch when mighty caesar in the silence vast with cautious tread advanced to such a deed as slaves should dare not fortune for his guide alone he passes on and o'er the guard stretched in repose he leaps in secret wrath at such a sleep pacing the winding beach fast to a sea-worn rock he finds a boat on ocean's marge afloat hard by on shore its master dwelt within his humble home no solid front it reared for sterile rush and marshy reed and woven form the walls propped by a shallop with its bending sides turned upwards caesar's hand upon the door knocks twice and thrice until the fabric shook amyclas from his couch of soft seaweed arising calls what shipwrecked sailor seeks my humble home who hopes for aid from me by fates adverse compelled he stirs the heap upon the hearth until a tiny spark glows in the darkness and throws wide the door careless of war he knew that civil strife stoops not to cottages oh happy life that poverty affords great gift of heaven too little understood what mansion wall what temple of the gods would feel no fear when Caesar called for entrance. Then the chief. Enlarge thine hopes, and look for better things. Do but my bidding, and on yonder shore place me, and thou shalt cease from one poor boat to earn thy living, and in years to come look for a rich old age, and trust thy fates to those high gods whose wont it is to bless the poor with sudden plenty. So he spake, e'en at such time, in accents of command, for how could Caesar else? Amiclas said, T'were dangerous to brave the deep to-night. The sun descended not in ruddy clouds or peaceful rays to rest. Part of his beams presaged a southern gale, the rest proclaimed a northern tempest, and his middle orb, shorn of its strength, permitted human eyes to gaze upon his grandeur." and the moon rose not with silver horns upon the night nor pure in middle space her slender points not drawn aright but blushing with the track of raging tempests till her lurid light was sadly veiled within the clouds again the forest sounds the surf upon the shore the dolphin's mood uncertain where to play the sea-mew on the land the heron used to wade among the shallows Born aloft and soaring on his wings all these alarm the raven too who plunged his head in spray as if to anticipate the coming rain and trod the margin with unsteady gait but if the cause demands behold me thine either we reach the bidden shore or else storm and the deep forbid we can no more thus said he loosed the boat and raised the sail no sooner done than stars were seen to fall in flaming furrows from the sky nay more the pole star trembled in its place on high black horror marked the surging of the sea the main was boiling in long tracts of foam uncertain of the wind yet seized with storm then spake the captain of the trembling bark see what remorseless ocean has in store whether from east or west the storm may come is still uncertain for as yet confused the billows tumble judged by clouds and sky a western tempest by the murmuring deep a wild south gale shall sweep the sea nor bark nor man shall reach hesperia's shore in this wild rage of waters to return back on our course forbidden by the gods is our one refuge and with labouring boat to reach the shore ere yet the nearest land way be too distant but great caesar's trust was in himself to make all dangers yield and thus he answered scorn the threatening sea spread out thy canvas to the raging wind if for thy pilot thou refusest heaven me in its stead receive alone in thee one cause of terror just thou dost not know thy comrade ne'er deserted by the gods whom fortune blesses e'en without a prayer break through the middle storm and trust in me the burden of this fight fails not on us but on the sky and ocean and our bark shall swim the billows safe in him it bears. Nor shall the wind rage long, the boat itself shall calm the waters. Flee the nearest shore, steer for the ocean with unswerving hand. Then in the deep, when to our ship and us no other port is given, believe thou hast Calabria's harbours. And dost thou not know the purpose of such havoc, fortune seeks in all this tumult of the sea and sky a boon for caesar then a hurricane swooped on the boat and tore away the sheet the fluttering sail fell on the fragile mast and groined the joints from all the universe commingled perils rush in atlas seas first chorus lifts his head and stirs the depths to fury and had forced upon the rocks whole seas and oceans but the chilly north drove back the deep that doubted which was lord but scythian aquilo prevailed whose blast tossed up the main and showed as shallow pools each deep abyss and yet was not the sea heaped on the crags for chorus billows met the waves of boreas such seas had clashed even where the winds withdrawn eurus enraged burst from the cave and notus black with rain and all the winds from every part of heaven strove for their own and thus the ocean stayed within his boundaries no petty seas wrapped in the storm are whirled. the tuscan deep invades the aegean in ionian gulfs sounds wandering Hadria. how long the crags which that day fell the ocean's blows had braved what lofty peaks did vanquished earth resign and yet on yonder coast such mighty waves took not their rise from distant regions came those monster billows driven on their course by that great current which surrounds the world thus did the king of heaven when length of years wore out the forces of his thunder call his brother's trident to his help what time the earth and sea one second kingdom formed and ocean knew no limit but the sky now too the sea had risen to the stars in mighty mass had not olympus chief pressed down its waves with clouds came not from heaven that night as others But the murky air was dim with pallor of the realms below the sky lay on the deep within the clouds the waves received the rain the lightning flash clove through the parted air a path obscured by mist and darkness and the heavenly vaults re-echoed to the tumult and the frame that holds the sky was shaken nature feared chaos returned as though the elements had burst their bonds and night had come to mix the infernal shades with heaven in such turmoil not to have perished was their only hope far as from lucas point the placid main spreads to the horizon from the billow's crest they view the dashing of the infuriate sea thence sinking to the middle trough Their mast scarce topped the watery height on either hand, their sails in clouds, their keel upon the ground. For all the sea was piled into the waves, and drawn from depths between laid bare the sand. The master of the boat forgot his art, for fear o'ercame. He knew not where to yield or where to meet the wave, but safety came from ocean's self at war one billow forced the vessel under but a huger wave repelled it upwards and she rode the storm through every blast triumphant not the shore of humble sason nor thessalia's coast indented not Ambracius scanty ports dismay the sailors but the giddy tops of high saronia's cliffs but caesar now thinking the peril worthy of his fates are such the labours of the gods exclaimed Bent on my downfall have they sought me thus, here, in this puny skiff in such a sea. If to the deep the glory of my fall is due, and not to war, intrepid still, whatever death they send, shall strike me down. Let fate cut short the deeds that I would do, and hasten on the end. The past is mine, the northern nations fell beneath my sword, my dreaded name compels the foe to flee pompeius yields me place the people's voice gave at my order what the wars denied and all the titles which denote the powers known to the roman state my name shall bear let none know this but thou who hearest my prayers fortune that caesar summoned to the shades dictator consul full of honors died ere his last prize was won i ask no pomp of pyre or funeral let my body lie mangled beneath the waves i leave a name that men shall dread in ages yet to come and all the earth shall honour thus he spake when lo a tenth gigantic billow raised the feeble keel and where between the rocks a cleft gave safety placed it on the shore thus in a moment fortune kingdoms lands once more were caesar's but on his return when daylight came he entered not the camp silent as when he parted for his friends soon pressed around him and with weeping eyes in accents welcome to his ears began whither in reckless daring hast thou gone unpitying caesar were these humble lives left here unguarded while thy limbs were given unsought for to be scattered by the storm When on thy breath so many nations hang for life and safety, and so great a world calls thee its master, to have courted death proves want of heart. Was none of all thy friends deserving held to join his fate with thine? When thou wast tossed upon the raging deep, we lay in slumber, shame upon such sleep. And why thyself didst seek Italia's shores? Twere cruel, such thy thought, to speak the word that bade another dare the furious sea. All men must bear what chance or fate may bring, the sudden peril and the stroke of death. But shall the ruler of the world attempt the raging ocean? With incessant prayers, why weary heaven? is it indeed enough to crown the war that fortune and the deep have cast thee on our shores and wouldst thou use the grace of favouring deities to gain not lordship not the empire of the world but lucky shipwreck night dispersed and soon the sun beamed on them and the wearied deep the winds permitting lulled its waves to rest and when antonius saw a breeze arise fresh from a cloudless heaven to break the sea he loosed his ships which by the pilot's hands and by the wind in equal order held swept as a marching host across the main but night unfriendly from the seamen snatched all governess of sail parting the ships in diverse paths asunder like as cranes deserting frozen strymen for the streams of nile when winter falls in casual lines of wedge-like figures first ascend the sky but when in loftier heaven the southern breeze strikes on their pinions tense in loose array dispersed at large in flight irregular they wing their journey onwards stronger winds with day returning blew the navy on past Lysus' shelter which they vainly sought till bare to northern blasts niphanium's port but safe in southern gave the fleet repose for favouring winds came on when magnus knew that Caesar's troops were gathered in their strength and that the war for quick decision called before his camp Cornelia he resolved to send to Lesbos' shore, from rage of fight safe and apart, so lifting from his soul the weight that burdened it. Thus lawful love! Thus art thou tyrant, or the mightiest mind. His spouse was the one cause why Magnus stayed, nor met his fortunes, though he staked the world and all the destinies of Rome. The word he speaks not though resolved, so sweet it seemed, when on the future pondering, to gain a pause from fate. But at the close of night, when drowsy sleep had fled, Cornelia sought to soothe the anxious bosom of her lord and win his kisses. Then, amazed, she saw his cheek was tearful, and with boding soul she shrank instinctive from the hidden wound, nor dared to rouse his weeping. But he spake, Dearer to me than life itself, when life is happy not at moments such as these the day of sorrow comes too long delayed nor long enough with caesar at our gates with all his forces a secure retreat shall lesbos give thee try me not with prayers this fatal boon i have denied myself thou wilt not long be absent from thy lord disasters hasten and things highest fall with speediest ruin Tis enough for thee to hear of Magnus' peril, and thy love deceives thee with the thought that thou canst gaze unmoved on civil strife. It shames my soul on the eve of war to slumber at thy side, and rise from thy dear breast when trumpets call, a woeful world to misery and arms. I fear in civil war to feel no loss to Magnus. Meantime, safer than a king, lie hid nor let the fortune of thy lord whelm thee with all its weight. If unkind heaven our armies rout, still let my choicest part survive in thee. If fated is my flight, still leave me that whereto I fain would flee. Hardly at first her senses grasped the words in their full misery, Then her mind amazed could scarce find utterance for the grief that pressed not magnus now is left wherewith to upbraid the gods and fates of marriage tis not death that parts our love nor yet the funeral pyre nor that dread torch which marks the end of all i share the ignoble lot of vulgar lives my spouse rejects me yes the foe is come break we our bonds and julius sire appease is this thy consort magnus this thy faith in her fond loving heart can danger fright her and not thee long since our mutual fates hang by one chain and dost thou bid me now the thunderbolts of ruin to withstand without thee is it well that i should die even while you pray for fortune and suppose i flee from evil and with death self-sought follow thy footsteps to the realms below am i to live till to that distant isle some tardy rumour of thy fall may come add that thou fain by use wouldst give me strength to bear such sorrow and my doom Forgive thy wife, confessing that she fears the power, and if my prayers shall bring the victory, the joyful tale shall come to me the last in that lone isle of rocks. When all are glad, my heart shall throb with anguish, and the sail which brings the message I shall see with fear. Not safe e'en then, for Caesar in his flight might seize me there, abandoned and alone to be his hostage if thou place me there the spouse of magnus shall not all the world well know the secret mitylene holds this my last prayer if all is lost but flight and thou shalt seek the ocean to my shores turn not thy keel ill-fated one for there there will they seek thee thus she spoke distraught leaped from the couch and rushed upon her fate no stop nor stay she clung not to his neck nor threw her arms about him both forego the last caress the last fond pledge of love and grief rushed in unchecked upon their souls still gazing as they part no final words could either utter and the sweet farewell remained unspoken This, the saddest day of all their lives, for other woes that came more gently, struck on hearts inured to grief. Born to the shore with failing limbs she fell, and grasped the sands, embracing, till at last her maidens placed her senseless in the ship. Not in such grief she left her country's shores when Caesar's host drew near, for now she leaves, though faithful to her lord, his sight in flight, and flees her spouse all that next night she waked then first what means a widowed couch she knew its cold its solitude when slumber found her eyelids and forgetfulness her soul seeking with outstretched arms the form beloved she grasps but air. though tossed by restless love she leaves a place beside her as for him returning yet she feared pompeius lost to her forever But the gods ordained worse than her fears, and in the hour of woe gave her to look upon his face again. End of book five. Part two.